1: It's that demonstration of Jesus' greatest commandment that we'll hear more about today on The Kingdom and Its Stories.
2: I'm Bob Moffitt. Welcome to this hour of The Kingdom and Its Stories. We're delighted to have you with us. And in this broadcast, we interview people who have been able, by God's grace, to be Jesus' hands and feet in their community and to be able to demonstrate God's love so that the people who don't know Jesus are attracted to him. And today we have John Basu's with us, who is a a long-term friend of mine. And uh, and, uh, John, we're so delighted to have you with us. And tell us, you know, what is it in your background that first of all brought you to Jesus?
3: Great, great question, Bob, and it's a, it's a privilege to be here and share the story of God's wonderful grace in my life. I was uh, basically born into a Christian family. My parents were immigrants to this country and had a devout faith in Christ, and I saw that faith in action uh, as a young kid. But uh, when I was 12 years old, I remember coming home from church. Yes, we were forced to go to church. Uh, Sunday mornings, Sunday evenings, Wednesdays, whenever the doors were open, and it was a wonderful church that we attended growing up, a very solid church, and I remember coming home one day, uh, Sunday night, and got ready for bed, and all of a sudden, the just deep, deep conviction came across me. I can't even tell you what the pastor spoke that day, uh, but I can remember that God very clearly convicted me that Just because my parents were devout in their faith, uh, had no bearing on me. And it was at 12 years old that uh, I very humbly in tears, uh, which was very rare for me because I was a very proud young teenager, uh, humbled my heart before God and uh, embraced his love, embraced his forgiveness. And uh, that was the beginning of the the path that God had for me.
2: Wow. Yeah, it's exciting to me to hear that. Testimony. Because in my own personal life, I've also experienced that supernatural presence of God, and when you have that, you know it's Him. Absolutely. And, and when when He calls you, wow! <laughs> There's no other way to just uh, to be able to explain the impact that that has on a young person's life. Praise the Lord, John. Yeah. Well. Um, I know that uh, you went to Bible school at one time why did you do that
3: well that that really was a kind of a, a following of when God impressed upon me this idea of repentance uh, right really changed my heart uh, the natural thing uh, for me was to say okay what do you have in store for me God and as I entered into high school, uh, there was nothing in school that really caught my attention in terms of, you know, a future direction. You know, a lot of young people say, you know, I, I want to go into medicine. I, you know, I want to go be a firefighter or whatever. Uh, school didn't really provide that, uh, jumpstart for me, but what did was a combination of a, of a church that actually discipled their young people,
4: mm-hmm. and
3: a church that was active in missions. And so, uh, through that, God really impressed upon me of going to school to ultimately become a missionary. Right. And it was, again, it was a very clear calling in my life. And so uh, I did after high school, I graduated a year early from high school. Uh, I spent the next year in Mexico as a basically self-supporting missionary, learning the language, but also helping to plant churches in a lot of remote areas of the right. Uh, Chihuahua right. In Mexico came back and then uh, pretty much right after that went into Bible college to kind of get the biblical training that I would need. Uh, okay, I, so
2: you were trained as a missionary, right? and what are you doing now? What is your profession now? <laughs>
3: <laughs> I am a general contractor, so we do residential and commercial construction. Uh, here in now, how,
2: construction. how does that fit in with your your training as a
4: missionary?
3: You know, that was, that, that again is a great question, and for probably 10 years I could not have answered that question. Hmm. Um, but in in looking around uh, Camp Verde is a it, it's a wonderful community but that's is, where uh, you
2: are now Camp Verde Camp yeah, Verde
3: Arizona. Uh, we do work all over the state but uh, we're based here and the community is a, is a wonderful community, great people. Um little bit lower socioeconomic scale, Uh, educationally wise, we're a little less educated than what you would see, uh, you know, Phoenix or whatever. But um, one of the things that I noticed real quick is it didn't matter whether we were looking at subcontractors, clients, employees, there was a basic need that we saw that for 10 years, I basically ignored. uh, Because in my mind, ministry was you were commissioned from the church, you go somewhere, and that's what was kind of, it, it was the the model that I grew up with. Right, and, right. Uh, for some what reason- you
2: That was the model <laughs> I grew up with,
3: right. For some reason, you just put up with the people around you and their ways, <laughs> then you go on a mission trip.
4: Right, and, yeah. And
3: again, I remember very clearly God one night just speaking to me very clearly. He says, John, I've prepared you for this time, mm. I, but, but God, you don't understand. Um, you know, these are rough <laughs> and tough construction people. They have a vocabulary of about 20 words and most of the words can be spelled with four letters and
4: right, God, right.
3: <laughs> you know, send me to Costa Rica, send me everywhere. And I, I love doing short-term missions projects. And God very clearly said, no, this is what I've prepared you for. And so, from there, I remember going on my knees, and my wife and I, at the time, we had just started the business, um, we just vowed before God that this this would be our pulpit. This would be our starting point, and how do we do ministry amongst those who, in, in all honesty, um, have not had a real strong Christian witness in their okay, lives. This, this you
2: being your that? construction company. Yes. Construction profession.
3: Absolutely.
2: Contracting.
3: And it's, we started looking in on any given project uh, between subcontractors, suppliers. There's actually about 300 people that will go through that project. And it's like, wow. And, And we started to do the math going, okay, the average church in Camp Verde have about 40 people in the church. Right. And God is literally bringing people to me 300 at a time on any given project.
2: Not just yeah. the 40 people in the local church.
3: <laughs> Not just 40 people. That's like, wow, they're actually coming to me. They're coming to, if I can use the, the phrase, my church. And wow. it just looks like a construction site. But in the, in the reality, uh, you know, I started thinking about Christ. And Christ had to, you know, he is our high priest. He's experienced everything we've experienced. He, I think he understands the construction culture. I I really do. (laughs) He was in it. Well, it's kind
2: of like Abraham was looking for a city whose builder and maker was God.
3: Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So what I found out was that every one of these individuals had basic needs. Okay. And included in that need was they always wanted to share some kind of story, Mm -hmm. whether it was, you know, the deer that they just bagged, and they wanted to tell me the hunting story because hunters right, want right. to tell the stories. Um, they would want to tell me stories of, you know, maybe some of the struggles they were having with their girlfriends or with their, you know, wives or children. They would tell me stories of their kids' basketball game. And what I learned was that they were real people. And when you mm-hmm. get behind the facade and you actually sit down and converse with them, uh, Amazing people with amazing stories. And most of the stories revolved around some kind of hurt. Right. So, wow. It's like, wow, you know what? Our God is a God that that clearly wants to help people. Amen. And so why have I, for these years, kind of excluded these people, thinking that my ministry had to be abroad and overseas? And not, not minimizing that. But that's how I was trained. And that's how I was trained to think. And it has really opened up some amazing doors, you know, within this construction industry is, you know, how do you become light and salt of the earth? How do you become, you know, effectively the, the hands and feet of Christ? Amen. That, that was the challenge that 15 years ago was put before us. And, and it's been what, an amazing journey. What
2: are some examples, John, of how that's actually worked out?
3: Yeah. So, so one of the the examples that just come to my mind is uh, in this area, our our housing is kind of expensive based upon how much money you make. Uh, Most people here are spending at least 50% of their income for housing. And it's not because they live in mansions. Uh, It's just, we're almost like a third world country here, developing country. And so uh, I remember uh, one day I was out on a job site and we had hired this man and you know we hired him for, he'd been around for six months and delightful man to be around. And one day I was on a job site and I just happened to, to say, you know, Hey, how are you, how are you doing today? And he says, yeah, a little rough today. And I said, well, what is, what does that mean? And he says, well, it got a little cold outside. And I said, well, yes, it's winter time. It got cold. And he says, you know, the heater in my car just cannot keep up. I said, well, what do you mean? He says, well, you didn't know I live under the bridge. I said, no, I had no idea. So here's a guy that's living in his car under the bridge, trying to bathe at nighttime when he gets home, you know, in the Verde River and, and, and he's freezing. And, and my, my heart was just paralyzed. Like, what, wait a second, John, what, wait a second. You know what? You've got an extra room in your house. And but the answer that you hear is, well, but John, you live in a very small house and, you know, you have a wife and, you know, and it's like, wait a second, what does God call us to do? You know, and, and I think we look back and say, you know what? God has blessed us with a home with an extra room.
4: Mm.
3: And if that room's not being used, it, it's, it's a tool. And so we offered that room and said, well, why don't you come and, until we can get this sorted out? And so the young man came. Uh, We opened up our house and learned a lot about this man, learned a lot about him, found out a lot of his struggles. And it was all over just opening up the door to our house and Mm. far more effective than a tent revival meeting. You know, we always think big, but in the end, uh, we were able to sit down and address some of the needs. And the amazing story is that. We were able to work with him. Um, and we always preface it by saying the reason why we do this is because Christ did this for us. And so we, we want to just pass that along. And so what was really amazing is we we're able to work with him, kind of help on the some financial planning for him. And because what we learn is most people just misuse the resources that they've been given. Right. And six months later, we were able to get him into a house. Uh, we provided the down payment, which we take out of his check just a little bit every week. Right. And here it is 10 years later, and he's in a house. He's married and is doing extremely well. He's one of our oh, guys.
2: Praise the Lord. Praise and, the Lord.
3: All because he told me he was cold one night.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. And that's that's just listening. You know, being sensitive, not, not to just... Pass over. Okay, yeah, it's winter time. Of course, it's cold. And then you realize that he was living under a bridge.
3: And and it's easy to think the way that I was taught to think. Like you you know what, um, you know, if they didn't smoke, if they didn't drink, if they didn't do this. If they didn't do this, then they could accomplish these great things. And what I realized is, I was doing exactly what the Pharisees were doing. Mm. (laughs) Exactly. you know, if you live this way, then good things will happen. And the bottom line is grace transcends all of that. Right. Grace right. look at if they smoke or not. Grace doesn't look at if they've been, you know, wise with their money. Grace says help teach them, bring them along, but yeah. step toward their needs.
2: Yeah, John, you, you know, as you share that story, I'm convicted. I have an empty room right. in our home. And, uh, and I'm thinking, oh Lord, <laughs> are you speaking to me through John? Are you speaking yeah, to you?
4: Yeah.
2: You know, uh, what, and I wonder how many of those who are listening and watching, you know, this video have an empty room in their house. Wow, that's, that's really a challenge. I, um, I want to, uh, uh, to just tell those who are listening, you're listening, Uh, to the kingdom and its stories. And in this broadcast, we interview people like John, who we're interviewing today, to share their stories so that their stories can be an inspiration to us to ask the Lord to challenge us in our walk with him, how we can be the hands and feet of Jesus. John, thanks for sharing. uh, I know you've got lots of other stories, God called you to ministry, and you thought it was in the traditional sense of ministry where you'd be a full-time missionary somewhere in the field. Um, and, um, but God called you to general contracting, which is what you do now. And, are, and And you seem to be as convinced as a missionary who's spent his whole life in Africa ministering in a in a, in a cross cultural situation, you are just as fully a representative of God's kingdom as a general contractor and should be as much as that person that God has called to go to Mexico or
3: Africa. Is that right? Absolutely. And unfortunately, it took me years to realize that. <laughs> but I am fully convinced this is where God has me. I'm fully convinced that we're able to utilize the spiritual gifts within a, uh, a contextual setting of general contracting. And I think for us, I've been challenged on every front. You know, what is, what is the purpose of business? You know Why does God call you into business? And I am convinced every day more and more that it is to impact and affect the lives of people. And it's to take the revenues that God has given and put it to good use, put it to kingdom use. It's not about building reserves for us. It's not about building a name for us. It's about literally expanding the grace of God wherever we're planted. And this is where God has planted me. Okay, John,
2: I have a question for you. Um, You're a general contractor and you you have the resources as a general contractor to kind of do the thing you just described with the, this guy that you invited to come and live in your empty room. What about the office worker, the school teacher, who's, you know, basically making it on the salary that they earn? Um, what what are the implications of of what God has been teaching you for someone who's not in an economically privileged position like you are. Sure.
3: So, you know, I always go back to the story of the little boy with the fishes, you know, it's God doesn't require a certain amount. Okay. He just requires that we, you know, we, we, we look to the hills, we look to the fields that they're, they're white with harvest. And I always thought that that always meant, you know, this, this great conversion rate and, I, you know, I, I tell the story. Is uh, eight years ago we moved into a little neighborhood in Camp Verde, and when we moved, it was it was very apparent within the first day that uh, most of the people were in their 80s. So we were like the young people, kind of invading their neighborhood. But right next door to us was a young couple who was renting a house, and uh, when we pulled up with moving trucks, you know, moving in. Uh, we, we noticed that their window opened up, and you could see like wow there 's someone moving in next door, and' they 're not ninety years old and so but we were substantially older than that. Well, we got to to meet them. Um, they have two children, one was three months old at the time, and the other boy was three, and he had severe autism, severe autism.
4: Mm.
3: so the question is how do you minister to someone, and we learned real quick because we're a smaller community. We knew this gal's mother and the the mother was not known for her Christian position. And so it's like, Hey, how how do we as a older couple minister to this younger couple? And so, you know, it was, it was really interesting. Um, Their, their boy with severe autism would periodically run into the backyard, start naked, you know, screaming and doing everything. And, and we're like, Okay. How can how can we minister? How can we
4: mm. how, how
3: can we do this? And it was interesting. They got a dog, and so for us, it was we, we knew we we began to understand that they had a fond affection for animals. And my affection isn't as fond for animals. I like animals, <laughs> not as fondly. So
4: right.
3: you know what? God very clearly said, "You're going to reach their hearts through their dog." So okay. I big box of dog bones. Okay. A $12 investment, Right. two fishes in in the sight of Christ feeding the 5,000. And so I would lean over the fence, give the dog a bone. One day the mom came out. It was shortly after that. She goes, I've noticed you've been feeding my dog bones. I go, yes. You know, I I just want to make friends with your dog. She goes, well, why do you do that? I said, just show kindness. I said, "I, I want to be friends with your dog. And she goes, you know, what's really weird is my dog is very protective, but he doesn't bark at you, but he barks at everyone else. She goes, you must be a nice guy. I said, well, I don't, know. I, I just, if, if you don't mind, I'm just going to keep on feeding your dog some bones. And that has opened up an eight year relationship where we have been able to speak of the kindness of God, the goodness of God. We've been able to help them understand that their son, whom grandparents have abandoned, because of his severe autism that God has made this young man in the most beautiful way mm. with artistic flair. And that because of that, eight years later, our neighbors are now at least saying there is a God and we see hope at the end of the life. You well, know, wow. wow. Bob, it was through dog bones. That was it it was just their dog bones you know
4: right
3: how do you connect with your neighbor and i have to say it was a very small financial decision but it's had huge impacts their children now call my wife and i grandma and grandpa in their children's eyes we are their grandparents and that is a true privilege amen we have dinners together we we go to their ball games uh we cheer them on uh i give them Ice cream bars across the fence when their mom's not looking. Good things that good grandparents (laughs) do. And we love it. And the daughter, who's eight years old now, in her way has professed Christ. Eight years ago, Christ was not in that home. And it's all just simple gestures of you just do what God asks you to do. And most of the time, it's very obtained, very easy to do.
2: Right. Well. So if you were speaking to the average person who's not a business person, who's, you know, in a a regular um, eight hour a day job, what would you say to them? What attitude do they, if they're followers of Christ, what attitudes do they need to have? in order to be Jesus' hands and feet.
3: What I'm saying is God has placed you in a critical position. I don't care if you're in the office. I don't care if you're a plumber. I don't care if you're a garbage man. It doesn't matter. He has specifically placed you there for a purpose. And the purpose is, is literally to broadcast the name of Christ through very tangible means and tangible ways. I've understood one universal truth is everyone has needs. And perhaps God has placed you there to take care of one of those needs.
2: Amen. Amen. Folks, thank you for being with us today. And John, thank you for your testimony of how God has used you to be Jesus' hands and feet. And I trust that as all of us go through this day and this week, that we will be inspired In new ways, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, no matter who we are, what place God has placed us in this world, God has given us a mission, and that is to represent him to the people in our world.
1: Jesus defines discipleship as, come and follow me. Next Monday at 5.30 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360, we'll hear another testimonial from a leader demonstrating how they and the people of the church are sacrificially loving the needy and beginning to see real change in their communities. If you have a personal example of how you are being the hands and feet of Jesus with your neighbors, we'd love to hear from you. Enter your story at harvestfoundation.org. That's harvestfoundation.org on the Contact Us tab. You can also subscribe to the podcast on The Kingdom and Its Stories on Apple Podcasts and Spotify.